On today's episode of Let's Grow Together, I talk with my good friend, Elizabeth Henson, and we dive into time and how important that time is. Because if, if you often use the excuse, like, I don't have time for this or, you know, something of that, that sort, you're going to love this episode. You're going to get a ton of value and you may even be able to take things and implement it immediately into your life when you start to realize how important your time is and how we can allocate that time to potentially someone else or how we're really making priority into things that we spend time on. So let's dive in because this really is a powerful episode and you are going to love it. But first, the intro. Welcome to Let's Grow Together. My name is Nick Bonatotibus, motivational speaker and digital marketing strategist. And this podcast is all about helping you grow both in life and business. Let's dive in. Hello, welcome, 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 Elizabeth. I am so glad you're here. Thank you so much for being here with me. Yes, I'm so excited, Nick. I feel like we've had so many good conversations and now we just get to record one. Yes, and that's what this is all about is just you and I talking and um, you know, sharing some insight about being a you know, business owner and you know, this growth journey that we are on. So thanks for being here. Real quick, just tell us a little bit about you know, who you are, what you do, and who you serve. Cool. Yeah. So I'm Elizabeth Henson and I have been a photographer for about eight years. And halfway through that, I pivoted into helping other photographers grow their business, which turned into helping creative women uh, grow their businesses, but most importantly, build really powerful communities around their brand so that they can become the go-to expert in whatever their field is or whatever they want their authority to be. And I kind of have a very messy anti-strategy approach, which I'm sure that we'll dig into in this episode. But um, yeah, so it's, it's very much the, you don't need a strategy to be successful. And I help what I call creative dreamers become industry leaders. Whoa, love that. Creative <laughs> dreamers become industry leaders. Love that. Um, we're going to come back to that. Um, one thing I wanted to, to dive into a little bit first was um, you mentioned pivoting. And to me, that's such a unique, um, you know, thing to talk about because we often get really stuck into like what we're doing and we feel like there's nothing we can do. We've built this thing around one area. How can we just like, you know, pivot in this other direction? So I would kind of love to talk about that and kind of the struggles that went through making that pivot and, and how you were to, you know, overcome it and, you know, how it worked out. Yes. Oh my gosh. So many struggles. And you know, the pivot is so real for so many business owners and it's so important that we embrace it, right? Like we tend to, to sit in that spot and be like, ah, oh, how can I let go of this thing to grow this other thing? But you know, I loved photography and it was really hard for me to look in the mirror and be like, I built this amazing, successful business and now I want to do something else, <laughs> you know, but like, I do love it, but I realized that weddings, you know, brides were booking me six months, a year, a year and a half out. And I almost had to miss my oldest daughter's dance recital. And I was like, I need to find other revenue streams. You know, I've been dabbling and teaching other business owners, but it's time to like really set myself up so that I have 100% control over my schedule. Um, and wedding photography is very stressful, but you know, and again, it's like trade the time for money. And you and I are in a community where we're learning that we don't always have to trade our time for money. 
but yeah, the pivot was very difficult. And I feel like I'm just now coming out on the other side where the coaching side of my business, the mentoring side of my business is now replacing that salary. And there was definitely a lull in between where I had to take a big pay cut. I had to take some risks and I had to constantly remind myself, like it took you two and a half years to make photography a salary, like to quit my day job. I was a teacher before and make enough money to be a salary. And I was getting really disappointed when the coaching didn't take off in like six months. <laughs> so I had to keep checking myself. Like it takes a while. This is not going to happen overnight. But yeah, I definitely had to start back from the bottom and build it up. Yeah, that's such an interesting aspect too in business is that, you know, and just in life, I guess we, we often, you know, expect things to happen a lot faster. You know, we're like, why isn't this working? And, and this particular thing happened to me recently. And I was like, why is this working? And I looked and I was like, Nick, you've been doing this for 20 days. Like, what are you? what are you doing? What are you, what are your expectations right now? I'm like, what's going to happen in such a short amount of time. And, you know, I think part of it has to do with, you know, the world we live in. And this kind of correlates to, you know, mentioning time and, you know, like Amazon, you order something like, boom, it's there next day. You know, um, you need information, you go to Google, boom, like how that, you know, directly correlates, um, you know, just that aspect of time, the most valuable possession that, you know, we own, you know, and you mentioned like time for money and that's such a big, you know, part. Um, so I'd love to dive into that a little bit too, because I think we often don't value our time as much as we should. We don't like, if we thought about it from a time, like how much do we charge our time? Like, okay, so how much money do we spend doing laundry? You know, like you're not right. really thinking about that aspect. Yeah. And you know, people think sometimes like, oh, we need to make everything affordable or, you know, the pricing conversation versus the time conversation, but people are paying for our expertise. They're not paying us for how long it takes. Um, you know, so that's definitely something that I've had to sit with for a little bit. Like, it doesn't matter if I can do this task in 30 minutes, they're paying for me because I'm an expert, not because of how fast or slow it takes. But, um, my relationship with time, which is what we were kind of talking about before this started, I just noticed such a shift in my business and my life when I changed my relationship with time. And for me specifically, that was, I was so sick and tired of hearing myself say things like, I don't have time for that. Or when I have time or like telling my friends and family, like, you know, things are really going to calm down next month and we'll be able to sit down and do this. And we never did. And it was like, my life was just passing me by. And I just got so sick of hearing myself say those words out loud that I knew I had to change that narrative. And when we changed the narrative on the inside, it's, we completely changed the way we view everything on the outside, which is just so crazy. Yeah, it is. And how we, how we communicate, how we, um, you know, share our message. One thing I wanted to touch on, I, I just have to share this story real quick. When you, you talked about like expertise um, and valuing our time, there's a story um, in the book, I think it's Millionaire Success Habits by Dean Graziosi. And he talks about this factory and it's like, all of a sudden everything shuts down. They're not making any money. They can't, the factory's like not moving. He doesn't know what to do everything's messed up. So, you know, all the people that work there can't figure out what's wrong. So he goes and he calls this guy to come help. And the guy looks around, he goes, you know, he goes to a lockbox, opens it up, turns the screw, and then everything starts to work. And he's like, oh, oh, great. He's like, all right, tell me how much you owe me. And he gives him the bill and it's like 
$10,000. And he's like, what? $10,000? How is this $10,000? I want an itemized receipt of, you know, what this is. And it says, you know, nine, uh, it says $1, you know, turning a screw and then knowing what screw to turn, $999,999. So yeah, it's just like one of those things, again, like valuing your expertise and not, you know, taking that, that, that sense of your time and understanding, you know, how much your time is worth and not devaluing what it is. And I know a lot of people have that struggle too, with like what prices to make and, and all of these things that, that go into that. But sorry, I had to share, I had to share no, that story. That's so, yeah, that's so good. And that, I mean, it's so true. You know, my husband and I are shopping for someone to brick our mailbox right now. And I, he does all the research behind that. Like that's totally his jam. But he's like, I can't find anybody for less than a thousand dollars. And I'm in my mind, I'm like a thousand dollars to be out in the heat for probably like, I don't know, six hours. Like I imagine it would take a while to build one of those mailboxes out of brick. Like I'm like, I wouldn't do that for a thousand dollars. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, and I think, you know, that's such an interesting point that you bring up too. And just like how our perception of how expensive things are. Yeah. You no, know, like for me, I'm about to move to San Diego and you know, I was, I have to ship my car and like, people are like, Oh, it's like a thousand bucks. I'm like, Oh, but that's like pretty fair. People are yeah. like, what? That sounds that's so expensive. I'm like, I don't know. From my thought that seemed cheap. They're taking this like it's a massive car. piece of machinery. You know, <laughs> it's like they're, they're shipping it across the entire United States. That seems like a fair very fair deal to me. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Like how much does it cost to fly a human? And now we're like taking a vehicle. <laughs> That's such a great comparison too. Yeah. Of like, you know, comparing it to flying a human and which is obviously a lot harder too than like, you know, a flight versus driving, you know, it's a lot yeah. longer to drive. So you would think it would cost, you know, way more than that. And just yeah. like the perception of like expensive and how much things can cost. I know for me, a lot of people, um, you know, specifically with San Diego, they're like, Oh, San Diego is expensive. I'm like, is it though? Is it expensive? Like you're, it's 70 degrees all year round and you can go to the beach every day. So like, I'd say it's like really cheap, you know, because you're living in paradise. Totally. I I I mean, there's a price tag on that on having perfect weather every day. (laughs) Yeah. And that goes to, again, like not, not realizing again our perception of time how much we we charge for time you know one thing you mentioned about um not having time and you know so i wanted to kind of come back to that because i think that's such an important aspect that realistically what it comes down to is like priorities Mm -hmm. you know that's what time really is you know what do you care about yeah totally and just you know i started asking myself well what if I did have time to do this? Like, what would that look like? And so often I was overestimating or like excusing how long something would take. Like something as simple as like sending an email to my list. Like, oh, I just don't have time for that today. When realistically, that's going to take like 12 minutes, you know? And I have this like pet peeve of getting interrupted. So I would, you know, not do a podcast episode or whatever, because I don't want to get interrupted by my kids. But then someone pushed me and they were like, well, what if you do get interrupted? Like, big deal, you know, like things happen. So a lot of times the the time piece for me, I think was like an excuse to play small or an excuse not to do certain things 
Um, because I, you know, I am busy. We're all busy, but I hate when people try to like compare busy, right? Like just cause I have kids doesn't mean my life is any more busy or overwhelming than someone else's. Um, and I just got really sick and tired of that conversation. And like, how can I stop saying this out loud first of all, but then how can I change the way I view time? And I started looking at my 15 hour work week as like a superpower instead of like a hindrance. Cause I would always be like, man, if I could just work 40 hours, like everyone else, you know? And then, you know, after listening to a lot of James's podcasts about how we can make more and less time and we can work smarter. I was like, you know what, this is actually awesome that I get to work 15 hours a week. And I'm going to start bragging about that and putting that out into the world instead. And it was like, it changed everything. Yeah. It is amazing when we think about kind of that aspect, you know, especially in the entrepreneur world that, you know, we have the potential to not, again, like you mentioned, change, you know, exchange time for money. And when we're limited by time, we tend to um, focus more on like what needs to get done and focus in on that time. Um, and I, I'm listening to the book right now, Limitless, but it's mentioned in like other books also about how whatever time we set to get something done, that's how long it will take to get done. Yep. Uh, which is just such a fascinating kind of concept in itself that we're often like, oh, it's going to take us three months. Like, okay, well, then it will take you three months. But realistically, if you're like, I need to get this done in a week, you could get it done in a week. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, even just like this podcast episode, we're like, okay, we're going to record for about 45 minutes. So that's exactly what we're going to do. You know, like, have we said an hour and a half or 20 minutes? Like, that's exactly what we would do. And it's easier to say when it's two people, but we do the same thing when it's just ourselves, you know, like, okay, I'm going to sit down and I have two hours to do this. That should be plenty of time. And then you realize it took you the whole two hours because you didn't push yourself to do it in less, you know? Yeah. And if you, again, if you set that time too, you, you'll find distractions and, you know, like try and multitask where if you really realistically, like when you have something more pressing to like set a deadline of like when this actually needs to get done. I think Brendan Bashar talks about this too in regards to like when people ask him like for something, he's like, what's the absolute latest I can get this to you? Like realistically, <laughs> don't give me like the earlier day when it would be nice to have like what is the absolute must time for for this to be done? And that's how he's able to prioritize like what what gets done. What gets done first. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, it is. Um, it's pretty fascinating, you know, and again, a big part of this too is what you mentioned, you know, changing the narrative. And mm -hmm. I love that kind of terminology in, in how we ourselves, that communication, that conversation that we have with ourselves. So I'd love to kind of dive into that a little bit more, how you were able to shift that conversation. You know, you were like, I got fed up with like using that excuse you know, like how long did that take for you to be like, no, I'm done saying this, you know, like how were you able to make that shift, start refocusing on like what, what needed to get done and making it a priority? Yeah, I know. It's so funny, like looking back and telling people about these shifts and trying to pinpoint like, okay, these are the steps I went through. But I think sometimes it's such a gradual process that it's, it's really even hard to pinpoint the exact moments. But I think, like I said, 
instead of looking at the fact that I didn't get to work as much as everyone else and like having that resentment, like resentment that my husband got to leave the house and work 40 hours and I only got to work 15 and I had to drop off and pick up the kids from school and like knowing that I appreciated that about my life, but also like just wanting to work more. Like I just always wanted to work more. And then, you know, I started surrounding myself with other people who work less and appreciate working less and making more and having this like sense of freedom. Right. And I just decided like, this is actually amazing that I can work in 15 hours. And I bet other people would like to hear about it. And I forced myself to teach a workshop on my 15 hour work week. Like, let's just talk about how much I actually do get done in 15 hours. Let me, you know, celebrate the wins. Cause you and I know how important that is to celebrate the wins. And let me focus on finishing my work day in those 15 hours instead of like running away from my family to work at night because I did kind of burn out from that. I burnt out from like knowing that I wanted to work, feeling like I had to work and then squeezing in time here and there. And, you know, I, ch I taught that workshop and I was like, man, like people really do want to learn how to do more in less time. And I've gotten good at it because I had to. And this, I, that was a huge shift of realizing that that was brag worthy and not like, made me less than, you know, because a lot of us define our success on how much we work, which is so silly. Right. And just that like hustle mentality, like, you know, I work 60 hours, I work 80 hours a week. Like it is something to brag about um, when realistically it's not. Because again, the whole goal of being an entrepreneur is to get freedom. So if you are working that much, like then you don't have the freedom that you're going after. Yeah. And a tangible tip that I, that I give away when I talk about that too, is like being really clear on how long something takes. So exactly what you just said about, we're going to spend exactly as long as it should take. Well, when I was a wedding photographer, like I knew every 16, you know, gigabyte memory card would take me 20 minutes to call through. And most photographers have no concept. They're just like, Oh, I got to call this wedding and it's going to take me all day. And I can look at it and be like, no, that's six cards at 20 minutes a piece. Like you should be done in whatever, two hours. Like you know, and knowing those, those measurements about myself helped me, like, like you said, get it done in that amount of time and plan my time. And I stopped taking on more work than would fit in the 15 hours too. And that was more of like a tangible change that I made, but understanding, like, I can't say yes to all these things. If I really want to work 15 hours, you know, and learning to set those boundaries and do all those things that are so important. <laughs> yeah, it's something that we often don't do, like actually recording. I know a lot of like productivity experts, they always talk about like going through your day and actually jotting down how much time we spend to completing each task, you know, and the thing is too, if you actually spend the time to do this, you're going to be more focused on not doing something else during that task because you're trying to determine how long it actually takes to do that task, which is, you know, in itself, uh, a certain aspect. However, one thing that I really wanted to touch on, I know you, you mentioned it early, um, was the, your messy strategy. And I'm curious, um, if I'm correct in my, in my assumption here in that, like, I, I think that this correlates to what we're talking about now and that getting things done in a certain amount of time is different because what is done how messy is it? Is that, uh, you're nodding your head, so I must be on the right track. So I'd yeah, love to get into like, that. 
uh, I love that you said what is done. Like, how do we know when something's complete? How do we know when something is just right? And a lot of my messy stuff is I definitely live by the done is better than perfect. Like, I was laughing yesterday about like how I probably have like 40 different fonts in my brand. Like, I just don't, I, I know that I will get paralysis of analysis. And if I can't find the font I'm looking for, it's going to take me 45 minutes when I'm like, no, this is a 12 minute task and it needs to take me 12 minutes. I'm not like literally timing it, but just knowing how easily I can go down these rabbit holes and get stuck and waste time on something that doesn't truly matter. Now, of course, like we all want to be like professionally branded and, you know, I have a design background, so there's, there's a lot of rule breaking that happens there, but, um, you know, that's just one example that I'm like, I'm going to get this done, even if it's not perfect, like spelling errors and emails or, you know, podcast episodes that are probably not edited, like to the max, because I know that getting content out there is better than not. And if this is what it looks like for me getting it out there, like some people would say, like, you half ass it, or that's messy, or I can't put something out that's not just right. Well, you can, and you can still be successful. Like having it done is better than not done at all. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't agree more. I feel I, I've talked about this like a bunch of times, not necessarily on this show, but like in other things that I've done. And just like, again, that done is better than perfect is such a huge, huge aspect in us to get anything done ever. I mean, I struggled it with a video standpoint too, because when I used to do videos, which I don't edit videos anymore, which is awesome. But, you know, it's so easy to be like, oh, I could do this. I could do this. Like, is a project ever really done? You know, you could always like add more stuff. And it's the reason why, you know, books, they have deadlines. Like, you know, the publishers have deadlines for you to get things done because it would never be done if you didn't actually have that deadline set. Yeah. You just have to, you just have to do it. And you just know that you're going to learn, you know, along the way that each thing that you put out there is, you know, feedback that you're going to get on how it felt and how people reacted to it. And I think, you know, I call it messy success because people can relate to that. But like what I know that I'm doing is I'm just letting my intuition guide me like 24 seven. And as long as I operate from the place of like my intuition guiding me through what tasks to do next or what I need to do. Like, I know that it's going to be successful, <laughs> but you know, people don't always respond to that as well as they do is like, it's okay to be a mess. It's okay to be you. People appreciate authenticity and spelling errors more than perfection. Cause like, it's just not exciting to be perfect. Like people want a little drama, right? <laughs> yeah. And I think we often, you know, misinterpret that level. I know with like spelling mistakes, cause some, you know, there's always that guy, you know, or girl always. that's like always. You know, replies and it's like, this is an error. And it's like, great. Thank you so much for pointing this out. I'm going to send out a whole new email now with the correct <laughs> spelling to make sure like, what's, what's the, you know, what are you going to do? Like, you right. know, what's the purpose of that for that person in itself to, to point that out. But again, that's an interesting, that's like a whole nother concept of like, if somebody is bringing that up, then that's something within them, not something within you. Yeah. I don't, I think one of the most embarrassing ones I made was I misspelled Laguna in like a title. So I had been to Laguna beach for one of our retreats and I sent out an email to my group. It was like Laguna Beach and I misspelled it. And of course, like, you know, the people. And I was like, you know what? Like, it is what it is. I think I actually at one point put a disclaimer at the bottom of my 
emails that was like, I apologize for typos. Like there's three kids running around, you know, like this is actually me. Like every now and then my copywriter will chime in on an email if it's really, you know, something that it's important or launch time, but 90% of the time, like it's really me. And there's a child climbing up my leg. So cut me some slack people. <laughs> yeah. And it, and it goes to like, how much time are you really going to spend on that? You know, cause again, are you just going to send that email or are you going to read it six times? And what could take five minutes is now going to take, you know, 45 minutes. And if you're limited by your time, then, you know, that's brutal. And like, you know, I think, you know, I talk about this with video too. It's like, I mess up in my videos all the time, but I just like keep it going and rock it because it's not worth my time to just like keep spending more and more time on that. And I kind of wanted to like circle back because I'm, I'm loving the theme we have going on now here with like, yeah done is better than perfect and valuing time because there's a huge correlation between those two things in that when we often feel that the only we can do something and therefore no one else can do it. And so now we're not valuing our time because we want to do that one thing. That's a smaller level task that we could potentially give to someone else that would get the job done, even though it may not be perfect or done the way that you've done it. So I'd love totally. to kind of dive into that as we're, as we're, you know, talking about this full circle. Yes. Like, and this is definitely the biggest like shift that I'm having, like in the present day. And I'm starting to feel that resentment when I know I'm doing a task that as the visionary, I shouldn't be doing. And I'm working really hard and building out a team right now. And, you know, things will pop up like my show notes. I miss, I mentioned to you earlier that I'm migrating my show notes from an old website to a new website. And I know like, this is not a task I will be doing, right? Like that is not something I want to be doing. Old Liz would have done that and would have spent 10 hours doing it. But now I'm realizing like, people are not paying me to be a good speller. People are not paying me to be grammatically correct. People are paying me to coach them and teach them and be in my communities and on Zoom calls. Like I joke with you guys all the time. Like I sell Zoom space, like that's what I do. But that is that is what I'm getting paid for is to show up in person and help people in that way. I don't look at my email copy or my writing skills or my spelling skills as what people are paying me for. So it's just, I don't want to say it's not important because there is a level of professionalism there. And I am putting systems, I hate the word systems, but I am putting systems in place for, you know, VAs and proofreading. But in the meantime, like this is messy and this is me, but I'm going to show up a hundred percent in the containers that really matter. Yeah, absolutely. I have to ask, why, why don't you like the word system? <laughs> I do, but I don't. Like, I just, um, I will never be like a spreadsheet color-coded, you know, person. However, I am realizing I thrive on being on a team. So to have that integrator, project manager, sidekick that is really good at those things is like, is going to be such a game changer for my business. Like when I get to that point, um, because I love to look at them and follow them and be like, Oh, this is super cool. But like, that will just never be me. But it's also so important that people listening that are type B like me and kind of get hives when it comes to flow charts and things like that. Like we can be the visionaries that we are, but we just have to learn how to live in that space, right? How to spend the most time possible being a visionary and letting everyone else do the other things, right? So like you said, we have to be open to letting go because I know I don't do those things well. So like, why try? <laughs> yeah. And so that's an interesting thing too. So 
you know, it's one thing to let stuff go that you don't like, but it's another thing to let things go that maybe you do like, but you just realize they're, you know, lower level tasks, you know, like you mentioned being a designer, which can be tough because that means that you want to have your hand in like all the design work that's going out. And that can be super time consuming. You know, I love James talks about, um, you know, $5 tasks, $10 tasks, $100 mm-hmm. tasks, and how we kind of like understand that aspect. So are there, is there something specifically that you did like to do that you did give up or something that maybe you haven't given up that you've been meaning to give up? Yeah. So that, I love that conversation. So I don't really enjoy design to me. It's tinkering and it takes too long. Now I think like before kids, I probably found a little bit of joy in it, but that is definitely one of those things where I like, I've lost my patience and I outsource it. Um, and I don't really micromanage, even though I do know what I'm doing when it comes to design, like I can see something and see that it's good, that it done is better than perfect. I'm not going to nitpick, but there is a task that I'm holding on to. And that is editing photos, believe it or not, because it's like, I could outsource that for like 33 cents an image for like one of the best editors in town, but I still enjoy it to some extent, like not what I, I used to shoot like 30 weddings a year and that there's no way, like I would be so resentful if I was still doing that, but I'm shooting less than five weddings a year right now. And I could outsource it for like two or $300, but I get to listen to podcasts and like be quiet in my office while I'm like editing these pictures. And it's an excuse because it's still work. And it just like, oh, I get to get, like be quiet for a little while. But I think that's because I've really mastered the balance of like not taking on so much that I'm resentful. But yeah, that is definitely like a mundane task that I should not be doing, but do still kind of enjoy. <laughs> yeah. Well, so you've associated that task with something else. You know, right. you're, you're like, um, you're stacking it with another thing that you enjoy. And I think totally. that that has a lot of power in itself. My dad actually made a comment about that, um, about like mowing the lawn. And like my dad is like the furthest thing from like woo, but he mentioned like it it being like somewhat meditative. She even like coming out of his mouth was like, what you're talking about meditation. I was, and I kind of made a comment like, well, I'd rather just meditate than like have to mow the lawn. I'd rather just like, you know, again, paying someone to do that, which again is like the concept of your time and you know, how you're valuing, valuing your time. But again, it's like how we figure things out. I remember I was listening to a podcast and now I can't remember what the terminology he used, but he talked about like doing the dishes and it was a similar thing. He didn't mind doing the dishes because he used that as a time to like brainstorm and come up with ideas. And he like associated, yeah. yeah, he associated like doing dishes with like brainstorming time. And then he just had great ideas during that time and can, could, relax, you know, and that's the thing. Like when we're not doing something, we like when we're doing something that's mindless, we often find more freedom for our mind to come up with good ideas. Yeah, that's so true. And that's probably why I don't look at design the same way. Cause to me, design is not mindless. Like I'm not good at it enough to do it in my sleep where I can edit photos in my sleep without thinking about it. 
but the design stuff will stress me out because I'm like, ah, like a professional could do this better than me. You know, like, I don't necessarily feel that about editing, but that is such such an interesting topic because I know I'm holding on to that, but I also know like, I'm not going to be doing this much longer. So like, why not? (laughs) Yeah. And that's one of those things too. You know, if you have a set time of like when you don't want to be doing this and, you know, but then also understanding like by giving this up, what, what would this allow me to do? Like, what would this free up to get me to do? You know, like that was one thing. I, and I'm, I'll use the lawnmower example again, because it was something that I talked about with my friends. And when I said I didn't want to mow the lawn, they like freaked out at me. Um, like it was this big thing. Because again, they just don't think the same way that I do. Because I'm like, I'd rather be sitting on the beach than mowing yes, the lawn, yes. you know, or reading a book. So it's like, if you if you think about it in those terms, then it's like a no brainer. What do you want to do? You want to read sitting on the beach or do you want to mow the lawn? Like who's going to choose mow the lawn, you know? Yeah, I know. And there's so much pride entangled in, in, in that. And my husband and I have this conversation a lot because he does not have like the entrepreneur mindset. And, you know, I would love to outsource like our cleaning, our cooking. I would outsource everything if I could, but he's like, no, like I take pride in taking care of the house. And I want our kids to be raised, like seeing us take care of our own house, which I don't disagree, but I also am like, there's a balance. Like, do we want them to spend Saturday and Sunday watching us do house chores? Or do we want them to see Saturday and Sunday spent going to the beach, you know? So I do think there's, there's a balance there. Like, how do you find like that sense of, pride or like wanting to model things for your kids but then also like but time is so invaluable you know and if something happened to us like tomorrow I'd much rather be hanging out with them you know than just modeling this behavior right and so those are the things too in and often when we think about our time it's like the things that we're doing regularly you know that could potentially be outsourced and like to bring up the kid example is is to me so powerful because Again, what what do your kids want to what do you want your kids to remember? You want them to remember you mowing the lawn every Sunday or every Sunday doing some fun activity with them. You know, right. which one's actually going to be more memorable? Which one's actually going to be more impactful? And you know, something as like again, valuing the time. It's like how much does it cost for you to spend, you know, to have that the lawn be cut and mowed, done potentially better than what you do because again, you're hiring a professional. But it's mm-hmm. like wow, is it worth, you know, let's say $400. I don't know what it costs. I don't know if, if that's even accurate, but let's say, is it worth $400 for you to spend all day with your kids? I think most parents would be like, heck yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's, that stuff is priceless, you know, and I always try to look at it from like making memories for them. And especially like the, the pandemic is such a weird time. Like, what do we want our kids to remember about this time? You know? Yeah. And I know kids are struggling right now with the pandemic and, you know, parents that are working from home and managing the kids. I mean, you know, I bow to you and, and <laughs> I can't, just can't even uh, imagine, you know, what that's like, you know, and, and the kids are struggling. You know, I talked to one of my, one of my good friends, we went golfing recently and, you know, we were talking about that. He's like, yeah, my, my oldest daughter is like struggling a little bit. She's just, she at a young age, she, you know, the last summer she spent at the pool every, every day. And now yeah. she hasn't gotten to do that. And, and like, when I think back on my, time as a kid I mean I spent every day at the pool all summer long and to not have that for a year would have just like crushed me yeah yeah I know it's tough I mean my kids are young six and under so I do think they'll remember 
but I don't think it's going to be like this huge impact. Like hopefully like the articles I keep reading, they're going to remember like movie nights with mom and dad and they're going to remember the good stuff about it and hopefully not the the bad stuff. But yeah, I'm like so ready for them to get back to school. Like give me some kind of normal. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's a whole another thing too with like school of, you know, what's going on. Um, but I want to shift a little bit here Yeah. Um, because, you know, I think you're a great example of, of, you know, you mentioned having 15 hours a week and what that means. And, you know, from my standpoint, I have a lot of time, like tons mm-hmm. and tons of time so much that like my morning routine is like close to two hours long. Yeah. Um, which, you know, I'm going to assume your morning routine is not two hours long. <laughs> it's chaos. Right? There, is, there is no morning routine yet. <laughs> so that's what I would kind of love to, to kind of learn a little bit more about, you know, someone that's in your situation where you have, you know, kids to manage and, you know, what habits that maybe you do have that are like so important and such a priority that even though you're, you know, like you mentioned chaos, you still find time to do you know, even if it's something small. So I'd love to kind of dive in a little bit of your morning routine. Yeah. So there really isn't a morning routine. (laughs) I like to sleep in, especially right now because my youngest doesn't sleep through the night, but I say that I incorporate this concept of white space into my life. And I know that when I look at my to-dos for the week, there needs to be white space and I know what it should look like to be able to fit in those 15 hours, as crazy as that sounds. And, you know, by the end of the week, that same sheet of paper will be like full of doodles and notes and brainstorms and, you know, things that I don't want to forget for the next week or whatever. But um, really knowing that I have time to think (laughs) because I used to take on so much that I didn't even have time to think. It was just like, okay, what's due today? What's due today? What's due today? Where now I've really mastered fitting in that white space, which was would probably be equivalent to most people's morning routine into every day or every week. And sometimes it is just 15 minutes of coming into my office and sitting in my computer and like reviewing the tasks that have to get done or thinking about a project or emailing a VA. But there's a lot of joy in those like quiet moments for me. Um, but the mornings are just so different. I will say like, I have to be able to like sit down and have my coffee and my husband and I just pass the kids back and forth during that time frame. Um, but you know, when they're in school, I was a little bit more predictable. Like I had a nine 30 to one o'clock, um, window every single weekday. So yeah, but I, w- I just really make sure that I find time for the 15 minute windows of my white space. <laughs> yeah. White space. So like that's such an interesting terminology, I guess, mm-hmm. to, you know, go into. I don't know. I would love to kind of learn a little bit more about, like, even where that came from and what that kind of means to you. So I, I think I consider it when I'm having work time. So it falls into my 15 hours, um, but I don't have a designated task. So like having my appointment with you and then my two o'clock appointment today, like those are designated tasks. But I already know that if I have an appointment at two, I'm going to come into my office between 1.30 and 1.45. And that window of time is like kind of what I consider white space. Like I don't need to sit down at my desk 15 minutes before, but I'm going to because maybe it's the mindset shift, right? Of transitioning from yelling kids into like now I've got to be a teacher and authority and help my people. Um, So maybe it's like that transition period, but sometimes it's longer, you know, but it's what I consider working when there's no designated to do. Gotcha. 
Um, and you also mentioned that you drink your coffee and that's an important thing. So I'm curious, like, what are you thinking about? Like when you have that time to just like drink your coffee? Yeah. So usually I'm like looking at my emails and notifications that have happened like overnight. And, you know, I am pretty like attached to my phone. I think we all are. And some people have a lot of guilt and shame around that. Like I don't check my email. Like I do my journaling and my coffee drinking before I let myself check my email. And it's probably a lot the season of life that I'm in, but like, I don't have guilt or shame around that. I'm like, cool. I put my phone away at like 8.30 or nine last night. Like, boom, let's see what I miss. Like I'm excited, right? Um, to catch up and do my engaging on Instagram or whatever that might be. But um, I try, but a lot of times with three kids, like I'm drinking my coffee and walking and not getting through the cup of coffee without having to reheat it. But <laughs> <laughs> it's not as glamorous as I would like it to be, but this is a very short um, time in my life having a 10 month old because I can already see a morning routine with the other two. So I, I know that like it won't last forever. That's very important for there's any potential parents out there. Like it will be hard, but it's always going to be over. <laughs> well, I think there's a great kind of association with that in general in morning habits in itself, regardless of whether you don't have kids is that, um, you know, like things will change. Like, you, you know, you're, you're just cause it's not happening now. doesn't mean it, it won't happen. It could potentially be something to look forward to. And it, it's just like being able to be, adaptable you know and i tell him i'm sure as a parent like being adaptable is an, an essential so i'd love to kind of talk a little bit more about that and how that's helped you potentially in your business but also like you know as a parent as a skill set to be able to adapt with things going on yeah i mean it's it's kind of like the pandemic like you can't predict anything so you know we kind of just do the best with what we have and when i do have really hard days and i feel that guilt for my kids being on their devices or whatever i just remind myself like i'm doing my best and you know it is interesting hearing myself say a lot of these morning routine things out loud it comes back to the time and the priority and i have friends who are moms that will get up at four and five o'clock to have that morning routine like but it's just not that important to me like I really value sleeping and not setting an alarm, right? Like, and I don't like sleep the day away. Usually it's right at seven that I wake up, but I really enjoy not setting an alarm. And I know that about myself. So if I wanted it bad enough, I probably could set my alarm for five. But like I said, not in this season. <laughs> yeah, well, and again, it just goes to like prioritizing your time, you know? And personally, I think that prioritizing sleep, it should be your number one thing to me it's one of my like foundational five that you must do it's like a game changer in your life like yeah simply getting more sleep will dramatically change your life if you did nothing else you made no changes in your life except you got an extra hour of sleep your life will totally change yeah and usually if i'm setting my alarm and getting up early like that's not a good sign that usually means i haven't managed my time well and have to get up and work or something you know like a lot of times during a launch or a big project i'll catch myself doing that and i'm like oh this was so great i got up early but like i know that's not actually a good thing for me <laughs> yeah and it's like one of those things too if you know that it's a priority and you know how important it is you know, let's say you do happen to go to bed later. You're like, all right, well, I'm going to sleep in the next day. You know, I'm going to make sure that I, um, you know, sleep. And I'm sure you're a much happy person, a happier person when you get sleep. Like, let's be real. No one's, no one's fun when they're, when they didn't get enough sleep. 
Yeah. But some people want to fight that. Like, like, oh, I only need five hours of sleep. Like some people really believe that. And I'm like, that's fine. That's you. <laughs> yeah. They like wear it as a badge of honor. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I know Brendan Richard talks about this too. Yeah. Where like some people was like, well, imagine how well you would do if you actually got a full, you know, amount of sleep, you'd be even yeah. better. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's like, there's not a study in the world that says that like, you can live off for five hours. Like you can perform at a high level with five hours of sleep. It's just not not a reality. Right. I agree. I agree. I think some people naturally like have rhythms where they do like to work at night or, you know, I think some people can perform during those hours, but yeah, I learned very quickly that that wasn't going to be my business model. Like I really take a lot of pride in working during somewhat normal work hours, but I want the evenings with my family, you know? Yeah. Now you mentioned rhythms and I think that's such an interesting concept in regards to like our work and like our flow do you do you find yourself like able to get into a rhythm with someone that's like limited with time it's a is it like forced rhythm and and flow and focus or do you have like certain things that you'll do to get into that rhythm no I mean I think even having almost no control right now I do notice like I always am scheduling things around this time 10 11 sometimes one or two. Um, and I don't think that's necessarily by accident that I'm always scheduling some of my higher level work around the same time frame. But I know that you love to talk about fitness and stuff too. And I think it's really important that we all know what our perfect day would look like. And I know that a perfect day for me is ending my work day by three and exercising in that three to five window, which is a little unusual, right? Most people like the morning or the evening, but I love to transition from work to family with the exercise in between because I have a really hard time turning my work brain off and I'll notice I'll go downstairs like ready to spend time with the family but I'm not actually present yet and I'll like sneak back upstairs and answer an email and I'll go back downstairs and I'll sneak back upstairs and like do this because I haven't fully transitioned yet and um, being an athlete all my life every single time I played a sport my practice was like that three to six window like high school middle school college we even practiced two to six so I'm like, my body is kind of conditioned to want to exercise in that time of day. Isn't that crazy? And when I don't, I get this weird, like tired, unproductive, uh, like almost like a guilt or like uncomfortable feeling. Yeah. That's so interesting. I never really associated that with, um, you know, playing sports to like wanting to work out at that time. Um, you know, for me, I actually recently transitioned from, working out in the evening to working out in the morning. I personally think it's like been a game changer for me mm -hmm. um, because I found myself like thinking about working out throughout the day. Like, Oh, when am I going to do it? Am I going to do it at six, like six thirty, And then I get wrapped up in doing something and then I get out the run later. And the next thing you know, I'm eating dinner at eight thirty. Yeah. So, you know, like that was something that I didn't like happen. And so when I get all my big things that I want to get done first thing in the morning, then it allows myself to kind of just be more free in the afternoon. I'm not like thinking about the, the workout. Now I am curious though. So you're saying that you want to exercise. That's like your perfect ideal day from like three to five range. So is that happening? Is it not happening? Well, no, of course. That's when I don't have daycare. <laughs> so right before the pandemic, um, I was like working with my therapist on this because I put a lot of like weight on my identity around being an athlete and like the competitiveness of it and like just going for walks 
in the cracks of the day is like not good enough for me. And she was like, okay, like you have to hire help during this time window. Like this is your perfect day. Like give yourself permission and hire a nanny or a babysitter for that window of time. Even if it's just twice a week, three times a week. And we had just done that uh, kind of when the pandemic hit. So no, I'm not exercising during that time right now, probably some days, but you know, and it's really, really, really hot here during that time. Um, but I, I do have hope for the future that like my perfect day will exist, you know, when the time is right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And again, that's like, you know, it's tough as, as things are going on in your life, they're always going to interpret your, you know, lifestyle and certain sacrifices that, that come up, you know, that you have to deal with and manage when you have other things going on again, like not being prepared for, you know, a pandemic where, you know, things were going well, you know, being able to adapt, being able to, to change and tweak things, but understanding like if you focus on that perfect day and what needs to be done to make that happen, and that's like a big enough pull, you know, it could help you in your motivation if you really want that that bad like you know maybe you want to get that nanny back but maybe you want to make a certain event income to get that nanny and it's like how bad do you want to have that time back you know totally. yeah it's like motivation. back to the priorities for sure yeah for sure and i do i've done a lot of you know thinking about that and i um i did get back to hot yoga for a while but again it's like such a flip-flop in the schedule like nothing nothing is consistent um but yeah, I think it will definitely eventually come. And this is a, it's a, it's a strange time, but there's so many blessings in the pandemic for me too. Like I've really learned to appreciate things slowing down. Like I feel like I was always in my car before, like get in the car, get out of the car. And now I drive like, like twice a week, you know, but, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely interesting. And I'm an Enneagram too. So I like thrive off like helping other people. And there are four other humans in my household that most of the time come before me, you know, but that's definitely something that I'm working on is how can I put myself first and still feel like I'm adequately like loving the four other humans in my house. <laughs> and that's a huge, that's a huge aspect. Um, you know, again, like loving yourself, loving the environment, loving the world you're in, even though you may not be having that perfect day anyway, and finding that, um, joy, enjoying that time, um, you know, with your kids, I think is so, um, important. And just, you know, again, to kind of wrap up a little, thank you so much for, um, for being here and being open and, and sharing all of this, you know, information. And I think we, we dove into some pretty awesome things about our association with time and, and valuing our, our time. Totally. Like the time and the money thing. And, you know, like just realizing what we're actually getting paid for versus what's a task that we can be outsourcing. I mean, all those have been such huge learning lessons for us. It's so cool. Yeah, like what we're willing to pay for to to get things back, you know, if if we spend an hour cleaning the house and we paid somebody else to do that, what would we do with that hour? You know, yeah. we we would actually allocate more of our time to be doing more valuable things if we know that we're paying somebody else to do that task for us. Yeah. You know, you feel I, yourself shifting when you hear other people like complaining about like, man, like I, I got to do this thing and it's going to take me six hours. And like, you try to have the outsourcing conversation with them and there's so much resistance there, you know? And I don't know, it's really interesting to me sometimes like seeing people in their power when they haven't opened their mind to the concept of like, 
you know, you're getting paid say $200 an hour. Like, why are you going to do something that you can get done for $10? You can pay someone else to do for $10 an hour. Like the, the ROI there is like a no brainer. <laughs> and that's exactly why we need to put a dollar amount on our time. Yeah. You know? It's, it's so valuable. Um, yeah. So Elizabeth, again, thank you so much for being here. There's one question I'd love to ask um, before we conclude is, is there any book that you've ever read that is just like so impactful for you, so powerful um, that you just like recommend to, to people all the time? Yeah. So the book that changed everything for me was called The Science of Being Rich or Getting Rich. The Science of Getting Rich with Wallace D. Waddles. Um, and that was my first, I guess, kind of like mindset book. And it's short. So I would say it's an easy read, but it is, you will read it and it will stay with you and you'll walk through life and you'll start seeing things that are taught in this book. And it was so, it was probably eight years ago that I read it, but that is definitely like, that was what changed everything. Now there's been a million, you know, books and podcasts and things since then, but you'll always kind of remember like your first book that talked about like the internal work. Yeah, no, absolutely. Awesome. I love it too. Um, you know, cause it, again, there's, to me, there's more power. Like I'm sure you could list off like 10 different books, but that's the one that you bring up to me. Like that's the, the power. That's the, that was the game changer. Yep. And yeah. that was, that book caused me to start thinking different than everyone else. So at the time I was a photographer and I was just trying to make it right. I was just trying to like stand out and be different than everyone else, but I was doing the same things that everyone else was doing. And it's kind of crazy because I, I was reading the book. I was still a teacher and I was proctoring an SOL. So we weren't allowed to have any electronic devices, email, no distractions. We were allowed to have a book though. So I was reading this book with zero distractions. And it like just came to me to do this like small business series for my blog. And I was a photographer. So I would go to like, I would have people recommend their favorite small business. And then I would email them. Congratulations. You're getting a free photo session. I'm going to feature you on my blog. Sorry. It's like a little bit of a rabbit hole, but such a pivotal moment in my business. And so I started connecting with all these businesses and I would take pictures for them. And then I would tell their story on my blog, just in my experience of sitting down with them saying, tell me how you got started as an entrepreneur, as a business owner. And it was a small business series. I probably only did like eight to 10 of them, but it just separated me from the masses and like looking at what I do now where I help other business owners. Like it's also relevant, even though that was probably only two years into my journey. Isn't that crazy? So awesome. Yeah. There's always these little things that they come up that set us up for the next step, the next chapter. Um, yeah. we don't and there's really a lot to be it. said for turning off the distractions too, when you're taking in something that's powerful, you know, whether it's on a walk or a run or in the shower, but like not checking notifications while you're thinking. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. So good. So much gold. Um, lastly, Elizabeth, um, what's the best way for somebody to get in touch with you, follow you? Yeah. So I love to hang out on Instagram. I'm Elizabeth.Henson. Um, and then my website is ElizabethHenson.co. Um, but yeah, I'm always on the gram. I'm on Facebook too, but Instagram is definitely where I hang out more like in the DMs and the stories and 
I'm hoping to break into some reels. <laughs> we'll see. Yes. Getting into that. Love it. Awesome. Well, yes. thank you again so much for your time. Thank you everyone for listening. So much valuable things um, to take from this episode. Um, so get out there, start valuing your time a little bit more, figure out that price. Um, and remember, let's keep growing together. Yay. Thanks for having me. 